The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three, the Babe Ruth of episodes of George's Box, brought to you by BronxPinstripes.com. If you're listening to this because you found us through Bronx Pinstripes and the Bronx Pinstripe Show, you can hit pause if you want to. If you're on your phone, you don't even have to. Go search, look up George's Box. We have our own feed on iTunes. We have our own feed uh, pretty much everywhere. If there's somewhere where we aren't, you know, whether it's you use some some obscure app or maybe it's a popular app and we just didn't get there, you know, or distributor didn't put it there. Tweet at us at George's Box Pod. As always, I am your host, JJ. You can follow me on Twitter at Instagram at JJ from the Bronx. And I am joined by my co-host, Keith McPherson. You can follow him at Keith underscore McPherson. Keith, how are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday morning? I'm good, man. Good morning. It is uh, freshly 9.30 Eastern time, 6.30 your time across the country. Uh, I think this is good because a lot of people will wake up tomorrow and listen to the podcast. So it's like we're catching them in the morning, starting the day. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll start their day with us, even though it's Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I'm recording this from the beautiful Park Central Hotel in San Francisco, where I am for the week. And it's really not that beautiful. It's a decent hotel. But... Uh, just for everyone's reference, we're doing this before Tuesday's game. So right now we're looking at the 2-2 two and two New York Yankees, your 2019 World Series champions. Uh, and it's been an interesting start to the season. And we're going to talk injuries. We're going to talk, you know, the 2-2 the two and two start. But I want to start off with a question for you, Keith. From 0 to 100%, how nervous are you about the Yankees right now? Um, zero to a hundred. I I put twenty percent nervousness on that. Um, we're only four games in. It hasn't looked great. The injuries don't really make you uh too confident. But like, it's a long season. I I've seen so much overreaction and so much uh panic and so much 
I don't know, knee-jerk reactions out there. It's literally the first four games of 162. I've been making sure to say, like, game four of 162. We're on to game five of 162. I'm not panicking at all. Like, this is reality. I don't know how many baseball seasons people have watched, but this is what goes on. I don't know if you agree with that. Where's your... uh, Where's your meter between zero to 100 right now? I'll accept your 20. I'm at zero. I'm not worried Good. at all. Like 20, I think 20 is reasonable. Um, anything higher than 20 is, I think, absurd. I know Andrew and Scott on their show, Andrew was saying, you know, people keep saying it's only three games. When do I get to worry? I don't know, June? <laughs> like, not now. Not now, Andrew. It's too early to be worried because it's we're dealing with some injuries. Yesterday, literally, as I'm about to take off, I'm – Getting ready for the plane to go in the air. I get to push a notification. Stanton's going to the DL. Um, Bicep strain. You know, he's on the 10-day. We're going to have to kind of reevaluate in a couple weeks and see, you know, what the, you know, what the situation is. I've I've heard it could be 10 to 12 weeks if there's a tear in there. If it's not, you know, just a, a minor strain. All strains are actually tears for anyone who's not a doctor like I am in my mind. But that's not good news. You're not excited about that. I, I'm not excited about that as my plane's about to take off and I've decided I'm not going to buy internet because that actually made me decide not to buy internet on the plane because I would just stress out for six hours about something <laughs> I couldn't do anything disconnect. about. Yeah, I was just <laughs> like, maybe if I land, they'll be like April Fool's. Um, instead, <laughs> I landed... To Miguel Andujar also being on the DL with a labrum tear in his shoulder, or poss- a labrum injury, possibly a tear, could be season-ending surgery. Bro, so hope not. When you see, you know, let's start with Stanton. Let's kind of go through the day. If you see Stanton is is injured and he's going to be out for at least ten days this early in the season, you know, kind of what are you thinking? How are you feeling then? I mean, I don't know. Both these injuries just pissed me off because they didn't have to happen. Like, Stanton got hurt chasing a pitch, like an awkward swing, chasing, I think, a changeup or something. It's just like, dude, I, he's such a muscle-bound guy. And, like, I understand, like, all that lifting. And, like, it's the start of the season. It's cold. And, like, I don't know, man. It just didn't have to happen. Stretch more. Maybe don't swing for the fences every single pitch. Um and then with Andujar, that play, that was the dumbest play. That like He almost got thrown out at third, going back to third. And I think if he would have been out, that would have ended the game or ended the inning at the time. And I'm just like, yo, that didn't have to happen. Like, don't do that. And he ends up getting hurt. So, I don't know. That's the, that's the more frustrating part. Injuries are going to happen. But when they happen on preventable things, things that it's like you shouldn't have been doing that anyway, that's what really grinds my gears. Well, so when it comes to Stanton, it's kind of what I've said about our entire outfield. And, you know, guys of that size are not built to just be able to do what the, you know, what the body needs to do to be a baseball player to play 162 games and, you know, play kind of, you know, a whole season like that. So you're going to see these things when it gets, it's early in the season, it's kind of cold now. I think Giancarlo Stanton is a fantastic baseball player. He's way better than me, um, you know, and I'm humble enough to admit that. It's a toss-up. It is, it is. But I, you know, I'm trying to stay humble. And I hate his batting stance and his swing. I hate everything about him at the plate. And I think you can tell when he is slumping 
if you see he starts chasing that outside slider, anything mm-hmm. on the outside, and his back foot goes out. He loses that back foot. When he's really mashing, his back foot's planted. I mean, it's Little League. When you're in Little League, they teach you keep your back foot planted. Um, that's when he really gets loose, and that's how he ends up in those kind of, as Aaron Boone calls it, taking a funky swing and, you know, ends up injured. So I, I get it. Like, what works for him works for him. He's gone with a way more of a closed stance. Um, I'm not saying that he totally needs to change his stance, but I think there's a lot of, like you said, you know, with all the lifting and the muscles and, you know, he's a tank, there's a lot of tension in that batting stance. Yes. You know, it's not loose. It's not fluid. There's not a lot of motion. He's not relaxed. I mean, almost every pitch, I'm like, is he going to call timeout and step out? You know, because it feels like he's been tense for a long time. So I don't know if there's maybe like a, a minor adjustment. Obviously, you don't need to change everything the guy does, but some stuff to make it more preventable. Maybe we've got to do some more yoga there. The yeah, hope I was is, just about to say something about the strength and conditioning, coaching, or, I don't know, regimen. Um, we got to figure that out. Like, guys shouldn't be, like, tearing their biceps, swinging. Like, uh, it's baseball. You got to swing the bat, I don't know, 20 times a game. Like, I, I'm, it's, it's unfortunate. But either so way. with Stanton going down, though, we do see Clint Frazier come up. So now, in my mind, with Stanton down, if this is just a grade one strain and he's going to be shut down for 10 days and then we're going to see what happens, he may miss April, as long as he comes back healthy. And I keep going back to the Patriots and the way they kind of approach things. You know, uh, if Gronk was hurt most of the year, but he's fine for the playoffs and ready to go, he's ready for that end stretch. I'm fine. Now, I don't want Stanton sitting out until the playoffs because the baseball season's so long. But if he has to miss April to come back healthy, I do believe we have the lineup that can, you know, get us enough wins to keep us where we need to be. At the same time, I think we're going to get an opportunity here to see what Clint Frazier has. Um, you know, he's a guy who came in and said, I want to compete for a starting position. Uh, the You know, the deck was stacked against him. And now, after playing some extended spring games, some AAA spring games, and and playing well, uh, in my you know in some conversations I've had with him, yeah, he said he's starting to really feel like himself again, and he's going to get an opportunity to go out there and shine. Now, a lot of people say, you know, well, he he missed a year. Um, this is a guy who was, you know, I think he was number fifth pick overall in his draft out of high school. The potential's there. The focus has always been a question, um, but I think he's learned a lot of lessons, and we're going to see what we have out of him. You know, we're not going to have to rely on a Talkman, um, you know, in the long run. And, at the, you know, same time, these guys are going to get injured. We're going to have people miss time, and to know that we have that kind of organizational depth uh, to get, and that depth is a number five overall pick, you know, it's not a terrible place to be. Obviously, you don't want the injuries, but. I think credit to Brian Cashman, the way he's built out this organization where he didn't go out and get Bryce Harper because the initial thing, oh, yeah, they, there wasn't a place for Bryce Harper, and now Stanton's injured. You can't predict that. Mm-hmm. You know, Bryce Harper and the contract he got was not the solution for the Yankees. Yeah, and the same thing can be said about Andujar, Machado, third base. I'm seeing a lot of people already, oh, yeah, we should. this is why we should have signed Machado. Oh, yeah, this is why we should have went after Bryce Harper. Nah, that's stupid. Like, you can't predict this. Guys are going to get hurt all across the field, every position, throughout the year. 
Um, it's going to happen to other teams. Don't be surprised when you see big, big names on other teams go down. It just is what it is. We watch this every year. We see this every single season. So now, you know, Andujar tears his labrum, or it looks like a tear, could be season-ending, diving back into third base uh, when he was really wandering too far off the base. I don't get as mad because it's an aggressive play. It's early in the season. The team was struggling, and there is – um, you know, a, a certain level of pressure that we, the fans, put on them. I mean, Aaron Judge even said, you know, we, you know, kind of our backs are against the wall, and that's, you know, two, three games into the season. Um, that puts a lot of pressure on guys because Aaron Judge kind of is the leader. I am excited that he's taking that leadership role, but I don't really think their backs are against the wall, you know, this early in the season. Luckily, and again, credit to Brian Cashman, we have DJ LeMahieu, who yeah. – is turns out is the best baseball player of all time. Yeah, we're, I mean, he's looking like that in his spot with us. We're making him uh, look, you know, well worth the pickup and well worth the signing. Um, back to Andujar, I mean, I'm fine with the aggressive play. I'm not fine if, if that becomes the last out of the inning or game. Or I think I want to say the game could have ended if that was the last out. But either way, um, he doesn't – I don't know if we, we know for sure if he does or doesn't need surgery – um, I think they're they're leaning towards not having surgery because it's the beginning of the season, um, but that's not good to lose a you know runner up to rookie of the year, my rookie of the year, um, and John Carlos Stanton, the former NL MVP, in the same week. But shout out to Clint, shout out to Wade. Their sadness of not making the team only lasted for about a week. They get I, to come up, they get an opportunity very quickly. I think you know, kind of with Andujar. And it is a, a small tear. There for two weeks, they're going to treat him very conservatively, see if he's able to, you know, continue to play with, you know, with that in his throwing shoulder. It being his throwing shoulder is tough. Um, it is his back shoulder on a swing, so I, I don't know how much that would impact his swing. But by having DJ LeMayhew, and you know, he is playing out of position, playing third base, but he kind of, you know, he's an all-star without a position. Mm-hmm. It gives us the depth where if Andujar does have to go down for the season, he can come back next year, be totally fine. He can still have a great career under team control for a number of years, and we're not missing really that much because LeMahieu plays, I think, you know, a little bit better defense, um, even though Andujar has gotten much better with his defense. His bat's not the same as Andujar's. Um, and obviously, in the long run, a 30-year-old versus a 24-year-old, you want the 24-year-old. But it's not the end of the world. The, the season hasn't fallen apart with Andujar being gone. And again, if yes, if we traded him to, uh, you know, for, you know, Kluber and then signed Manny Machado, Manny Machado could have been diving back into the base. Like, th- this could yeah. have happened to anyone. And I'd rather it happen to a half a million dollar a year guy who we still have under control for a few years than you know, someone who we're paying, you know, $30 million to. Yeah, and I liked what I saw out of DJ this weekend. Um, I don't know. I'm not really hitting the panic button on this. And then I also kind of, I don't know if you ever buy into, like, conspiracy theories or, like, um, the Yankees or any team gaming the system as far as the injury injury report goes. I feel like also, like, you know, it might be the type of thing where we struggled two games and then before our fourth game, it was like, okay, Stanton is out. And now Anduar hits the DL right before her first pitch, and it's like a shock to the system. Like, this is going to wake guys up. 
This is going to definitely wake our fan base up. Our fan base is wide awake. Um, this is going to uh, shake the media up because now it's like the Yankees are, you know, the ESPN showed something today that like Hicks, Didi, CeCe, uh, Batances, Andujar, Stan, like all of these guys. And I saw a tweet about like how many like all-stars and gold gloves and whatever we have on the IL now. Um, I think this is just something that early is adversity. Um, the coach from uh, UVA, what's his name? Tony Bennett. He said, um, if you learn to use it right, adversity, it, it'll buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. And uh, that's perfect for us right now. Right now, we're facing early adversity. And if this team is going to be as great as everyone is saying that they're going to be, we need to go through this now. We need to go through the tough times now and the figuring it out and literally seeing who we have on this roster and on this team that is trying to play and can help us win. Yeah. I mean, if if Stanton misses one month, if he misses two months, if he misses three months, I'd rather it be the first one, two, or three months than the last one, two, or three months. Same. You know, it's – and, you know, as a whole – the, the team has struggled. We've seen uh, struggles with runners in scoring position. But it's just too long of a season to get, to get too upset and to get you know, too worried. I think the popular thing, and I'm kind of stealing a page out of your book in uh, you know, complaining about Yankees Twitter, is I think the easiest thing to do is to go, oh, this team sucks. What are we going to mm-hmm. do? You know, and just get you know, upset about that because – kind of finding, you know, the positivity or really being confident in the team, you know, if I tweet the Yankees stink with some funny joke versus the Yankees are good with some funny joke at a 2-2 record, I'm going to get more action on the Yankees stink. But that's not yeah. how I feel. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of striving for that, you know, that social media um, validation by being like, yep, I think they stink. Everyone thinks they stink. Yeah, it gets hey. clicks. Because yeah. Yankee haters are going to retweet that too. Whether they're like Yankee fans or not, haters are going to like that tweet. So it does it does well. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's too early in the year to get worried. You know, the it's literally, what is it, April 2nd today when we're recording this? Yeah, we're two but, days into April. Yeah. Like, it's None it's, of this means anything. Yeah, it's too early to worry. And um, so right now, the Yankees, we in the episode from last week that we recorded and we lost, um, we made predictions on the weekend. We didn't do it in our other one. You had the Yankees at three and one. I had them at two and two when we re- would record this morning, and I said we would lose to we would lose the series to Baltimore and then <laughs> bounce back and beat Detroit because it's just very Yankees to do that. Like we should beat up on this team. It fuels the rest of baseball. Oh, the Yankees stink. Look at that. You know, they can't do it. You know, they can't even beat the Orioles. Let me make this very clear. This Orioles roster that we lost to, we should not lose to them. No one should lose to them. This is the worst roster in the history of professional sports. (laughs) If it wasn't for the fact that you had Chris Davis's name in there, I don't think that I know what team that is. You know, yeah, you could. There's you not could've. many guys in that lineup that anyone knows. Trey Mancini. Yeah, um, Mancini. V- VR. Uh, I don't even know them. Trey Mancini, Chris Davis. That's all I got. You take those names out of there. That's a, a double A team Andrew with a lot Cashner. of Dominicans. <laughs> yeah, I, he could have been in Triple A for all I know. You know, it's just not like yes, we're not supposed to beat that team. We're not supposed to lose to that team, but. Eh, you lose them, that's why you play the games. Now, are we going to go out, are we going to lose, when we play them 19 times this year, are we going to go out there and lose two-thirds of those games? Hell no. We do have a tough series coming up this weekend in Baltimore because 
we historically have a tough time winning series in Baltimore. But yeah. maybe with these injuries and the opportunity for guys like Clint Frazier, um, you know, they wake up. Now, sitting at 2-2, two and two, you know, you, you said you're at 20% of, of kind of being worried about the team. I, you know, I, I said I'm at zero, but there are definitely issues, including runners in scoring position, where it does feel like the 2018 Yankees, where, yep. you know, hey, one out, base is loaded, we're hitting it into a double play. Um, I think that's why you need a guy like me on the bench who can sacrifice bunch at the major league level because I'm – you put me up there, one out – Three guys on. We're scoring a run one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, I, because, I consider it. I consider it. Yeah, you got it. You run a squeeze, and I got you. <laughs> I'm getting someone in there because I'm making contact, and maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe a little small ball out of this team, because uh, we are going to be. You know, we're relying on the home run. We've got. You know, Sanchez has two. Um, you know, and, and the power is going to come. The the hits are going to come. Uh. But, you know, at, at two and two, beyond just being 20 percent worried, you know, how else are you feeling about this team? Because, you know, there, there's definitely always room for improvement. But, you know, we're, we're not that bad. We're not that bad of a team. The um, the thing that I'm feeling the most is like deja vu, like the runners in scoring position left on base, um, the errors, the throwing errors, um, it's just like the same themes, like rearing their ugly heads again. Gary behind the plate, uh, he's done better, and I'm a big Gary fan. I don't want to even add to it, but it's just like some of the same things that plagued us have carried over to start the season, and maybe that's good because maybe this team needs to say, "Hey, we're we're a different team this year. We gotta we gotta stop this. We we've gotta nip this shit in the bud and play right." Like. The first loss, for me, it was, like, all errors. And then the second loss, it was, like, all just, like, not getting runs in. So you, you saw two sides of the coin, offense and defense, just not putting it all together against the Orioles, who gave us multiple opportunities, and then we gave them multiple opportunities. So I think it was just, like, opening day went so well. Opening day was, like, a dream. Opening day, like, I don't know, everything seemed like it was right. The stadium was rocking. And then we kind of probably were feeling ourselves too much. That's the thing about hype. Like with, with hype, if everyone's telling you you're so great, if everyone's telling you you already won the World Series, you think you can just show up. Guys got to play, and every day is not opening day. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, Gary Sanchez has, has three errors, and he's had three stolen bases on him. He hasn't caught anyone stealing. I'm a big believer in water. Water always finds its level. Um now, defensively, is Gary Sanchez a great, you know, a great catcher? No, far from it. Um, has he been working on blocking balls in the offseason? Allegedly. I'm not there to see it. But he's not he's not Mike Piazza. He's not gonna have all these guys running on him. He's gonna start to mow them down. And you know what? If it builds a little uh confidence on the other side and people start to think, oh yeah, we can run on Sanchez, it's not a risk at all, go for it. Continue yeah. to try that because he's going to figure it out. Again, I'd rather all this stuff happen early because if we start making errors in September, you have a limited amount of time to make adjustments. And if right. Boone has to say, listen, day off, we're having fielding practice. Like, I'd love to see that. Me Bring too. everyone in. Make them, make them work on their defense. You Gary know? and Glaber, work on, that second, work on that second base throw, man. Work on firing that to a position, fielding it, putting the tag down. Like I feel like some of, some of Gary's uh, throws are on Glaber too. 
I'm waiting. I feel like Glaber is trying to do a bit of a hobby bias. Like he's trying to get fancy with some of his tags. He's you know kind of olaying it. And we saw yesterday by doing that, uh, he got his wrist slid into. And I think you know you yeah. could hear every Yankee fan you know hold oh their breath. Oh my god, that sucks too. With guys getting hurt, I'm watching this these games, and then like Glaber almost gets his hand hurt. Judge dives for, for a ball, almost breaks his wrist. It's like. Watching car crashes, it's I can't watch like this. So hopefully we can stay healthy and guys just make the plays and don't put themselves at risk. I mean, everyone had flashbacks to Matsui with that judge catch and, oh you know, God. breaking his wrist. At the same time, though, Aaron Judge is going to go out there. He's got to be a leader. He's got to, you know, lay out for that. Yeah. And it's a tough position to be in because you want to say – you know, hey, let's just, you know, play that for a single. But at the same time, half of us would be like, how come he didn't make a play on that? So I'd rather see him be aggressive if, let's say, let's say Judge broke his wrist right there and was out for weeks or the season. That stinks, but at least he did it, you know, trying to make plays, trying to win games for us. Yeah, uh, so I can respect win. that. Yeah, I can respect it too. And that's that's part of Judge being Judge, and that's why he's polarizing, and that's why people love him. The home runs is one thing, but he's showing that, like, he can hit a double off the wall. He can make a web gem diving catch. Like, he's a complete player or trying to show that he's a complete player. So, I'm fine with it. It's just scary, man. It's like watching a scary movie or, like I said, like a car crash. You're just waiting for the worst to happen. Yeah, I mean, every every ball that's hit is now scary because you don't want to see – you don't want to see another guy get hurt. Um, if they're going to get hurt – at least you know do it aggressively because you're you're doing the right things. We've got to see what happens with Stanton and Andujar over kind of the next couple of weeks. And I think you know a lot of us are shocked that we're seeing all these injuries. And you, like you said, you know CC's technically injured, even though he's you know pitching in Tampa right now. We've got Sevy still out. Hicks is out. Stanton. Yeah. You know the list keeps going. Troy Tulowitzki's still healthy. What are the odds of that? <laughs> and he hit one. Oh, man. And then the game ended when uh, when he struck out, and he just yelled, fuck. And you know what? Over. For the New York Rockies, like, Troy Tulowitzki is showing so much heart. You know, he wants to be there. He knows he, he's fighting for his career. Like, this is if yeah. this doesn't work out, like, he's still getting paid next year, but he might not get an opportunity, or he'll get, you know, one of those BS – invites to spring training from some team like he's fighting for his career and dj lemayhu like the more you look at and yes we are paying him uh you know 12 million dollars a year so it's not like he's doing this for free but this is a guy who has a great career um he's been an all-star there's definitely places where he could have gone and played i don't know if he could have gotten the same money more money maybe a little less money and been a starter but he said I want to be a Yankee. I want the opportunity to join kind of what you guys are building. And he's going out there and, you know, he's delivering. I mean, right now it is, again, he's played in three games. He's only got eight at bats, but he's batting 500. And most importantly, he's walked three times. Um, you know, Gary Sanchez has walked seven times. Aaron Judge has four walks. Uh, Luke Voigt has four walks. So these guys are also kind of buying into early in the season although the results haven't always been there the old school Yankee mentality of let's see a lot of pitches because yeah. for a lot of teams the bullpen's the weakest part for us it's not 
So we're kind of playing really to our strengths. And that's why I think, again, water is always going to find its level. Yeah, and shout out to the uh, Colorado Yankees. And uh, don't forget about Adam Adovino. Um, he looked good on opening day. And that, that zero jersey is calling my name. I have the zero jersey with McPherson on the back. I got to get the zero jersey probably with nothing in, in the, on the back. Yeah, probably, probably with nothing on the back in the away gray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is – that's another case of a guy who, you know, hey, I want to be a Yankee. He's from New York, yep. wants to be a Yankee. He's already made, you know, three appearances, got two and two-thirds of an inning. Um, he's striking out three guys. Like, he's out there. He's battling. He wants to be here. And those are the guys that you want. And I think at the end of the day, you know, everyone's overreacting. This team is going to figure out kind of what's going on. And I always – I go back to because I was too young for it. You were you were definitely too young for it because you were only like twelve, but or maybe even like ten. Um, the nineteen ninety eight Yankees were so good. What was sports radio like? Like there was no Twitter for like everyone to do it. But what was it? Just every day, like yep, kick their dicks in. We're good still. You know? <laughs> yeah, we are the <laughs> champions. Book it. No one's beating it. Like yeah, they they were that good. Where what like not just New York radio, national radios, like them goddamn Yankees. Yeah, there's no. Good. There was no controversy, and I feel like everyone on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, whether it's in the, the Bronx pinstripes chats and, and things like that is just – it's the easiest thing is to say the sky's falling, whereas it's not. It's just not falling. Um, you're listening to George's Box, and, if you again, if you found us on the Bronx pinstripe show feed, hit pause or don't hit pause – Head over, look for George's box, hit subscribe, download all the episodes, give us five stars, give us a rating. Now, this is, uh, I've only been part of Bronx Pinstripes for like a month, and the following, the audience is amazing. The people I've met in Tampa when I was there, people I've interacted with online, like seeing the Facebook groups is amazing. And so this is where we are asking you to really kind of show up for us. Early on in starting a podcast, we need to get as many five-star ratings and reviews with all the downloads in a short amount of time. That'll shoot us up the charts so that people who wouldn't normally see us get this put in front of them. A lot of people just browse for podcasts or looking for top ones or suggested ones. So as an aside, we're taking a little break in the show to beg you, please, to do that. And then Keith will post a shirtless picture on his Twitter at some point <laughs> as a reward for all the ladies who do it and for, you know, the guys. I'm doing that soon out. anyway, whether you, whether you uh, subscribe, rate, and review or not, shirtless picks coming. But, no, seriously, definitely subscribe, rate, and review. If you're into this podcast, if you like the Yankees, send this podcast to someone else. If you want to just see us keep going, uh, we need your support. And the support has been there, Twitter, Instagram, even Facebook. Um, Bronx Pinstripes BP crew is lit. Shout out to Scott and Andrew just – you know, putting us in front of uh, their audience, their followers, and this huge Yankee fan base that we get to create media for. Um, we want to keep going, so make sure you do uh, us a solid and, you know, rate, review, subscribe, and share. So, one thing that I think with this slow start, and then we'll kind of wrap it up, I think it plays in your personal favor. Because you, when we made our predictions uh, last week, you made what I saw. There was a, a little chatter on Facebook. You made a controversial prediction that the Yankees would win 90 games and still win the AL East, which is tough to do. They yeah. did it in 2000. Since the, the wild card era, 
They did it. They won 87 games in 2000, went on to win the World Series while winning the division. So this slow start, maybe credit to you, Keith. Maybe you kind of predicted it. That's fine. I'll take it. Like, I see it for what it is. I, like, I'm not the most, you know, um, stats and uh, knowledgeable baseball fan, but I do watch it every year. And I watch all this hype, you know, like the Nationals had so much hype in the past. And what did they do? Like, it's it's a reality of 162 season. Like, it's not going to be uh, what you say is going to be. And sometimes these teams that have these dream seasons, we don't see them coming. So, I don't know. I taper my expectations. I think this division is going to beat each other up. I'm looking at the Rays right now. I think the Rays are 4-1. and one. Uh, Yeah, the Rays are 4-1. and one. The Orioles are 4-1. and one. I know it's only four games. But the division champs and World Series champs are 1-4. and four. The Red so, Sox look terrible. They got so, shut out to the uh, A's last night, I believe. So, like, what I'm saying is, when I said we'll win this division with 90 games, it's going to be a gauntlet. And we have to take the Rays seriously. We obviously have to take the Red Sox seriously. The Blue Jays and the Orioles as well. Because, look, this past weekend showed these guys will show up and play. These are professional athletes. If they lost 115 games last year, you think these uh, this new group of guys wants to lose 115 games again? No, they don't. Everyone wants to beat the Yankees. We're going to get the best effort from everybody, especially in our division and everyone else we play. So, I don't know. Like I, It might work to my, you know, my prediction, and I don't even care about my prediction. I see us winning 90 games, winning the division, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a rough road. So you mentioned the one and four Boston Red Sox. And listen, I'm not the kind of guy to trash, you know, that racist city of garbage people. But, you know, I'd never say anything bad about those terrible, terrible people. But the Red Sox have allowed in their first five games 41 runs. The last five teams to do that have averaged 60, uh, 67 wins for the season. The Yankees have never done it. And the highest amount of games won by a team, the uh, 2006 Reds, actually gave up 41, at least 41 runs in their first five games and won four of the five of those games, finished with 80 wins. So, I mean, five games in the season, the Red Sox haven't given up less than six runs with pitchers in Chris Sale and David Price as the, you know, the front end of that rotation who have a history of arm problems. And again, I'm not a guy who hopes for injuries, but I'm not a guy who hates injuries. So there's a lot of season to go, and I don't think the Red Sox are going to win 67 games. I think they're going to be there fighting with us all year. So everyone's, everyone's got to relax around the league. Yeah, and I look at it like, like this. I mean, it's a long season. The Red Sox are going to be good. We're going to be good. But we need to take these games right now against these like lesser opponents. Orioles, Tigers, Orioles, White Sox. The Red Sox have looked exactly how we want them to look. Like, a dream scenario is that they continue this through the next couple weeks while we have what should be cream puff opponents. You wish the Yankees looked as good as we want them to look as the Red Sox have looked as bad as we want them to look. If they keep that up and we somehow can take advantage of these series we have against Baltimore, Detroit, and Chicago, we could be going into May like really feeling ourselves and it can get warmer and that's when we see guys loosen up and the bats really come out and hey maybe maybe you know like I put these conspiracy theories together maybe Cashman and the rest of the crew and the sabermetrics nerds and the analytics geeks are like hey Andujar and Stanton put them on the I.O. they're not going to heat up until May June anyway 
we're, we'll be all right. Let's see what these other guys could do. It's a marathon. We're getting there. I like it. I like the positivity. Um, let's talk a little bit about opening day. Um, I was always planning on going. You ended up, by the grace of God, um, getting a last-minute ticket, so you got to be there too. I'm going to – there's a little bit of a confession. First time I walked into Billy's, and this happens to me every year, I, it gets a little dusty. I start to, like, well up a little bit. Oh, yeah. I love being at Yankee Stadium so much, and it is – it's a thing that, like, in the offseason, it, it is when you kind of – when you do what we do and you're kind of making content around it, there is a bit of, like, all right, well, now I got to kind of, like, gear up because uh, a lot of times, especially filming Stadium Meets, uh, my web series that has moved to Bronx Pinstripes out every Wednesday – oh, no, out every Tuesday. So go look on at Bronx Pinstripes on Twitter, Facebook, all over. Share that shit. Let's get those views up and let's get some sponsorship. Yeah, um, can't wait to see it, honestly, man. I mean, I saw, I saw like I, I said, your um – uh, back in the day when we first started talking, what, two months ago? Yeah. I saw the uh, Chicago White Sox one you did, and I've been to that park like three or four times. So I'm excited to see what you, you come up with. It's like a like a, a revamp or a reboot of Stadium Eats for 2019. Yeah, and it is. So, like, going to these games at times, it's kind of like a job for us. I mean, opening day, I'm, I'm doing the Bronx Pinstripes Instagram. So you're not, you know, you're not just sitting there for all the games that we go to. But just being there, being around all those people who love one thing is like – I'm not a religious person. I think it's all ghost stories. But this is as close to religion as I get. It's just all, all these people caring about one thing. And I got to Billy's at about 11.15, and the place was packed. I don't think anyone worked in New York City. Um, I, I don't think any cops or firemen were working because they were all hammered at the game. And <laughs> – I saw someone get thrown out at 11.45 in the morning for being too drunk. You know, it's a beautiful experience. It was my wife's first opening day. Uh, it was my first opening day in a few years because I ran into some people who was trying to run around saying where I didn't go into a suite, so credit to me. But the energy's there, and it, it just it, it makes me – it's like a shot in the arm for the season. Um, you know, kind of what was your opening day experience? Um, yeah. So like I lied on the last podcast. I said I wouldn't be coming to opening day, but it didn't sit right with me Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, I'm probably going to end up at this game. I'm probably going to figure out how to go to this game. And honestly, I had scheduled things around opening day where like I shouldn't have been able to make opening day, but through the grace of God and through the power of speaking things into existence, I was able to get there. So I'll try and make this quick. I had to drop my girlfriend off in Monmouth County at 1145 on Thursday morning. Um, so I drove from Jersey City down to Monmouth County and literally burned it up to the Bronx to get to the Bronx by like 110, I parked on like Nelson and 164th and ran into the stadium. At Will Straight Call. parking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, I mean... I've only done it a couple times, but like that's a move that you pull when you're not trying to pay 41 bucks to park right in front of the stadium. And if you know a little bit, like you, you can figure that out. Like you just park a couple blocks away from the stadium. It's a day game. I'm not worried about anything anyway. <laughs> I used to do that. I grew up doing that. Like when we would drive over there, my dad would be like, "No, we're gonna park by the courthouse." Or you yeah, know, my dad knew. You know, I'm a I'm a Irish guy from the Bronx, so we knew cops. 
Um, Most so people we don't know that, though. Most people are coming yeah. from the tri-state area or further, and they don't know that. They're, if they drove from Connecticut, they're parking in the closest parking so you can get to the stadium. I do park. I park in the garage now, and here's my move. When I go in, I, I pay the $45 it is after everything. But when I go in, the first guy, when he's like, yeah, go down to the end and then, like, turn, you know, where they tell you to go, yeah. I always have a $10 bill, and I go, do you have anything up front so I can get right out? And they just go, yep, yeah, you park right here. So That's no matter good. how bad it is, for $10, I save at least an hour of time. Yeah, because that traffic is a beast. Uh, I'll get to the traffic on, you know, on my end. So um, shout out to my guy at Batista. And it's Batista and the I is a one. Um, I'm pretty sure he followed me through this podcast. I'm pretty sure we connected through Bronx Pinstripes and – and him listening to the podcast. So, like, on his Twitter, it says he's a Yankee season ticket holder. He got invited to the homecoming dinner the night before the game and got an extra ticket for the game in Section 128. I was in the gym at, let's say, 10 o'clock Thursday morning, and someone was tweeting me about, you know, opening day or I don't even know. So I ended up checking Twitter, and I saw his tweet go out with maybe 30 seconds after it went live. And he said, hey, got an extra ticket for the game today. You know, like, you know, someone either has to meet me or I'll put it at will call. And I tweeted him back and I'm like, for free, question mark, with the little like emoji with the like, like the glass over the like left Monocle. eye. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's just I'm like, DM coming. He DMs me. He's like, yeah, what's your first and last name? Is, is Keith McPherson your government name? I'm like, yup, Twitter name, real name, no gimmicks. He put it in. uh to the will call, I got there at 115. I missed the first two outs, but that was super solid, man. And we've been talking since then. And he's a season ticket holder. I think he's he's big dog status. He's in in the suites. Um, we'll have to connect with him because he's uh you know he's got some stuff lined up and he's got a couple extra seats available or tickets available where he'd like to invite us. And I, I wanted to meet him at the game Thursday. I was literally running around making rounds trying to run into everyone. Uh, ran into my guy Peter V in the ticket office, um, ran into my friend Michelle, who brought her daughter out there, ran into one of my uh, co-workers, uh, old co-workers, Chris, like literally at the gate, um, didn't get to catch Batista, I wanted to buy him a beer or something at least, he's like, don't worry about it, man, we got plenty of time, and that's what I was thinking when I was saying I wasn't going to be at opening day, I'm like, I'll be up there 20, 30 times this year, but I made it to opening day, I didn't pay for parking, I didn't pay right. I didn't pay for a ticket. I paid $12 for some uh, Kings Hawaiian chicken sliders, and it felt great. And I left at like 3.30, 3.45 um, just to walk to the car and beat the traffic. And I had, I, I had no time, like literally uh, no time in traffic, got right out of there. And I dipped and went to work, like perfect day, um, made everything happen. And we, we won and we crushed. And what a better game Thursday's game was than Saturday and then the debacle we had Sunday with the rain delay and that performance um, opening day 2019 was probably the best opening day I've been to in the last three, four years. It was a great time. If you didn't make it to opening day, come out on April 13th. We'll be having a Bronx Pinstripes event. If you go to bronxpinstripes.com, go to the fan shop. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it's the last day to buy tickets. I believe it's $69. Nice. You get a game ticket, a beer, a hot dog, a T-shirt, and we'll be at the dugout beforehand. If you already have tickets, just come to the dugout. Come hang out. Uh, come say hi. But we'll be rocking and rolling. We've got kind of all of Section 205. So if you haven't gone out to a game yet, you're looking for an excuse, 
you know, a couple hundred people all together uh, is really a great time. And if you are thinking about going this weekend, I'm going to be in Baltimore. Uh, a couple other people from Bronx Pinstripes are going to be down there. Some of my old friends from Barstool Sports are going to be down there. We're going to be at Pickles Pub at about 4 o'clock. Um, there's like three bars in there. Uh, I'll have someone taping me because I'll be filming a stadium meets there. So I'll be the guy wearing a microphone with someone with a camera following him around for a bit. Uh, come, hang out, say hi. So now that we've gotten through opening day, we've calmed everyone's nerves about the, um, you know, the season and where things are going. I want to revisit last week. Last week, we talked about Bull Durham. Now, this has been a couple weeks thing because it started offline. You got to watch Bull Durham. Have you not watched Bull Durham? Because at a certain point, you know, a narrative begins that says, like, is Keith a baseball fan if you haven't seen Bull Durham? And now you've seen Bull Durham. You gave us your first 15 minutes. And I kind of I like this. We got your first 15 minutes. <laughs> you've now watched the rest of the movie. What do you feel about Bull Durham now? Uh, it's not as bad as I originally thought when I first saw the first 10, 15 minutes that I was like falling asleep for. Like, what is it? I think I was quick to judge some of the characters and in any movie, there needs to be character development and the story has to play out. And I have a better understanding for what story they were trying to portray and who the characters actually are and how they fit in the movie. It's not a bad movie. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say now I'm a fan or I'm going to run it again, but, uh, I smoked a bowl and watched the rest of it. And I was definitely skied high and just was like, okay, I understand in 1988, this is a good movie. And I can understand why women like it. Men like it. Baseball fans like it. Uh, I'm still not a huge fan of it. Like the, the pitcher nuke, like he has no control. I don't understand how they even flirt with him being in the majors and that was like all Kevin Costner crash kept saying like, yeah, he could make the majors, but um, throw that stuff aside. Uh, what else did I think about it? The chick Millie got wifed up. Someone married Millie. What a I beautiful was, wedding ceremony on a baseball field. That's magical. Didn't see that coming. Great. Like that's, a, that's like one of those like things in that movie that make that movie, that movie. Um, what else? Susan Sarandon's character, the team gets hot. Uh, Crash is, is leading the league in homers. They're on a winning streak, and the winning streak isn't good for her because she's not getting any. She's not having sex with the new guy because it would mess with the streak, so she was kind of fiending a little bit. I, I like that. I like to see her character go from like this like empowered woman picking a guy to uh, sleep with, and then like I think the first night that she chose between Crash and Nuke, she she like read poetry to him, so she like held out. So I got to take my my uh, initial thoughts back. I thought she was a prostitute straight up. I thought the movie was coming in and was talking about her being a prostitute. Nah, she just likes ball players, likes baseball, and feels like she's a part of the team. And I can get that. I can understand that. I can get down with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know to a obviously a lesser extent and a very different extent uh if you look at like twitter now think of how many of us think you know we're a part of this team we're a part of this organization she you know she's old school twitter you know <laughs> like she's just doing it out there you know hashtagging herself out there um i'm glad that you watched the movie i'm glad that you gave it the shot i get being like hey i'm not gonna go back and watch it again uh, i feel like based on what you've said if let's say you were flipping through the channels, nothing's on, you've got nothing that you're looking to watch, 
you know, specifically, and you see it. Is it a movie you'd stop and maybe watch till the next commercial break oh, yeah. and then it's keep it definitely, moving? It's definitely the type of movie that I would watch and be like, okay, let me let me catch this scene or this part again. Because like I said, I've watched it like falling asleep. Like I'll usually like smoke a bowl before I go to sleep and watch it. And like some of the scenes and stuff, I'm just like, maybe I was analyzing them too hard. Like, I don't know. They had like a mound visit where the guys were talking about Millie getting married and like what her wedding gift was going to be and Serving know. dish. Got to get her a serving dish. I'm like, I'm like, this would never go on. They're in the middle of a game. They're not talking about this stuff. Um, but, well, like, no, I understand I, I it for the movie. I get it for the movie and for 1988 and what type of stuff they were trying to, like, put out there and build. And it's crazy. When you think about how much the world has changed in 30 years, there was even a part where, like, I guess, like, they fought. Like, Nuke and Crash fought. And yeah. Susan Sarandon says something like, oh, it's just um, – it's just reconverted homosexuality or something like that. She said about them fighting. And I'm like, you can't say that. That's not not politically correct anymore. You don't have to like reconvert homosexuality. You can just be homosexual. And you definitely shouldn't hint that like these, these heterosexual guys fighting because they potentially like each other. Like, no, I think it's just going off the idea that like, you know, we're all a little gay. (laughs) Like we're all, we're all like a couple percent gay at least, you know? (laughs) <laughs> I guess, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, hey, I keep making jokes about your shirt off, but and like, that's kind of gay. But like, I'm not trying. You're to ready get with to you. see it. You're waiting to see it. I'm, I'm waiting not, to see but, it. But like, as I'm well. not trying. But like, I'm not trying to get with you. It's just like, yeah, maybe no, I'm comfortable with my sexuality. I always, I always have said that. Yeah, you got to be comfortable yeah. with your sexuality. Like, I can admit that Aaron Judge is a good-looking dude, but that has nothing to do with like, like, like me jizzing my pants. Going back to the first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think? Yeah, Judge is kind of hot. I don't know who the hot. Maybe next week we'll figure. I out wouldn't who the see like Yankee I wouldn't is. phrase it like that. I wouldn't say he's hot. See, I can. I don't care. I'll say he's a I'm good married. looking guy. I'm and he'd never get with I'm me married. anyway. I don't dress good enough to be gay. Like I'm not like in good enough shape to be gay. Like I know there's out of shape gay guys, but like that's I just I don't fit in there. I have a terrible gag reflex too. I'd last like ten <laughs> minutes in prison. I can't. Yeah, it's terrible. I got the, you know, your uvula. I've got two. I've got it, it split. So it's just like it's not good in there. So I don't got to worry about being. This gay. is where I back out of this uh, Bull Durham and uh, homosexuality and baseball players talks. So overall, <laughs> Bull Durham, good movie. Not something you're going to seek out again. You check it out again and you, you at least understand where me and where like the rest of the baseball world are coming from on it. Yes, I get it, and, like, it's definitely a wash movie. There's definitely no, like, kids in their 20s, like, early 20s or teens that watch Bull Dorm. But I understand, like, people that saw it when they were a little bit younger, and, like, it's I understand its place in baseball movies, sports movies. I actually don't, though, because when I was Blaze, I was like, man, kids can't watch this. There was a lot of things they were saying and doing, a lot of sexual things um and references where i'm like this is it can't be one of the greatest sports movies or baseball movies of all time because kids like sports and baseball it's it's like i don't know i guess it's this is our movies in 88 and how they would make them but like i said i came in with a a take that it was it was trash that you know this is a uh, susan sarandon was a hooker um it was disrespectful to women in baseball but then after watching it it wasn't disrespectful to women. It's kind of disrespectful to baseball, but I understand that like it's lighthearted. It isn't like aimed to be disrespectful by having a guy that can't pitch pitch at the Durham Bulls level. Um, it's just like in '88 when they were making movies like that. I really feel like a movie in '88 was really like a 1980s movie. Like, yeah. like maybe that- 1982 is more accurate to think of 
when you think of that like time capsule, like I was born in 88. I can't even tell you anything about 88. I was blacked out. But that movie came out in 88, and I think it's closer to like the late 70s, early 80s than it is to the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I think from a baseball standpoint, like you said, you know, he's, you know, nuke is all over the place. The Durham Bulls were a single-A team at that time. Now they're a triple-A. They were a single-A team, and he goes, like, right from single-A to the majors. There's a lot of baseball things that don't exactly make sense, but, you know, you could find that with any kind of movie. Um, I think, that like, there's overall messaging around being comfortable with yourself, um, learning to, like, listen to people who are older than you who have more experience and yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, today, like becoming a man and like, why? Oh, here's a question for you. Why was there like so much beef between nu uh, nuke and crash? And like the phrase, like, you want to go outside, you want to take this outside. It's like, that doesn't even go down anymore. Like these are what? grown men, professional baseball players. Like they shouldn't be fighting and they definitely shouldn't be beefing over a chick. Like there's well, literally no way they should be arguing or fighting their teammates. They're on, a, they're on a winning streak. And Susan Sarandon, I'll give her a solid, like. 7.5 for like an older cougar thought she's not even that hot to be like i don't know did here's a question for you as well did kevin costner end up getting with her by the end of the movie because i didn't watch the last like 20 minutes oh um kevin costner you gotta watch the end of the movie keith oh, okay kevin i fell Cost asleep and i was just kevin like that's Costner's, good enough for the pod i get it he sets the minor league home run record. Have they mentioned that in the movie? Yeah, they said he was like he was going off. Shout out and to then, him, he was rocking number eight. And, and he, he was going off. And then he gets in his car and just leaves. And yeah, they end up together. It's a beautiful movie. I think so. Going back to them fighting, you gotta watch the end of it. Um going back to them fighting is Nuke thinks they're fighting over Susan Sarandon. What Crash is doing is trying to educate him on just like being a man and having like focus and you know everything that crash davis is doing in that movie is to teach a lesson to the younger player and it is like a a changing of the guard and and you know kind of passing along this wisdom that he has so that you know for the good of the organization for the good of the you know the team and you know just you know being a good person nuke goes on to you know hopefully have a good career we don't we don't actually know but he's been set up for success yeah, I I understand like yeah, like I said, the messages and the story and the undertone better now. Um S subtext. Right, the subtext. Sure. And I, I won't I won't bash it. I understand why it's in people's top 20 sports movies, baseball movies, whatever. Number one baseball movie of all time, possibly number one sports movie. I don't know about that, but so I don't hate it. We we did it in the episode that we lost last week, so I'm going to run through a list of baseball movies that I put together um to uh, see what you've seen, what you haven't seen. Uh, I'll be honest, I've seen uh, all of these movies because I'm a baseball junkie. But some people said, you know, you got to talk more movies. Some feedback we got. We did. We've got the list. So you've now seen Bull Durham. Yes. Have you seen A League of Their Own? Yes. Have you seen Field of Dreams? I want to say no, but I think on the on the podcast that we lost, I said, like, those are movies that everyone knows the quotes. Like, there's no crying in baseball. Field of Dreams. Um, if you build it, they will come. Or no, if you build it, yeah, yeah, I'm backwards because I'm dyslexic. Um, if you build it, they will come. Field of Dreams. Um, there's no crying in baseball. League of Their Own. Like those are like American pop culture like staples. I think I saw Field of Dreams when I was very young. I'd have to run that again. Um, Eight Men Out. No. That's a good one. It's another 1988, but it's based on the uh, Chicago Black Sox. Uh, Moneyball. Yes. That's a good movie. Uh, the Natural. 
I don't think I saw the natural, but is, it, is the natural about Nolan Ryan? What's a, who's the natural about? <laughs> the natural is a movie with Robert Redford, uh, where he hits the home run that um, that like breaks the light post. He's got his own his own bat. Um, he, he plays Roy Hobbs. Didn't they call so, uh, like David Ross the natural uh, the catcher from the yeah, Red Sox and Cubs? I, yeah, yeah, I believe I believe they did. Yeah. So, All right. I don't know. Didn't see that one. Yeah, but so it's basically a uh, guy's going to try out. He gets shot on his way there, and 16 years later, he breaks into pro ball as a, um, as a rookie. It's a pretty okay. good story. Um, what else do we got? Uh, the Sandlot. Of course, 100 times. Yeah, that would be weird if you hadn't. Major League. Yes, a few times. I would love to watch that over again because that's definitely a movie that I watched when I was a kid, and I know I missed some of that stuff. Have you seen uh, like the other major leagues, like Major League Two, Major League Three? Back to the minors is dog shit, but Major League Two is all right. Yeah, I feel like back in I don't know what year, like TBS used to run them, TNT used to run them, and I would always just like have it on in the background if it was on. Yeah, just uh, a great transition from one to two of Wesley Snipes turning into Omar Epps to play the same character. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bad News Bears. Bad News Bears, both versions. Yes, the old nah. version I like better than the newer version. Um, that one was that that movie's hilarious. And then like everyone has been in that little league baseball team situation. So yeah, I've seen both of those. Uh, bang the drum slowly. I have not seen that. I didn't think that you would have seen a movie that was made in 1973. Um, I'm gonna be honest there. Uh, the yeah, Rookie. No. Uh, I think I saw the rookie, but I can't tell you anything about it. I feel like Dennis um, Dennis Quaid. Is oh, a Dennis true Quaid. Story. Yes, he's I that high school that. teacher. Yeah. Yes. Um, Damn Yankees. I haven't seen Damn Yankees. Forty two. Forty two. I saw it in theaters. Yes. Nice. Uh, no surprise. No surprise there. Black guy, Jackie Robinson. I feel like you have to. I mean, that's part of like that's supporting the culture. For I sure. Went, I went and saw it too, so I also support the culture and would like an invite to the cookout. Yeah, Black Twitter's got, gonna hold you down. Um, I can't we wait to get you to tweet about some raps or something. Yeah, like eventually I'm gonna get there. My here's the thing: we mentioned that you were gonna get me on Black Twitter, and then I forgot. My wife was like, "Well, I can't wait to see you there because my wife has been Black Twittered. She had a tweet about Blue Ivy at like the Grammys a couple oh, years yeah. ago. I that saw went, her pin tweet. That was a great one. That went super viral. So she was like, "Yeah, let me know when you get an invite to the cookout." Oh, she's she in. With, talking, she's in with the Beehive forever. Then. Yeah, she was talking mad shit, too. Like, yeah, let me know when you get an invite to the cookout. We'll, we'll figure it out. Something will happen between, like, CC or Jesus and Mero, or I'm trying to think of any crossover between, like, you being, a like, a Yankees Twitter person and the hip-hop world and, like, black Twitter colliding. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll know it when I see it. I'm trying to be the ring bearer for J-Lo and A-Rod. Maybe that'll get me in there, even though they're Spanish. Yeah, um, shout out to them. They were at the game Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're at that game Saturday. Good for good for J Lo and and uh, A Rod and Jose Canseco. Um, Bingo Long traveling all stars and the Motor Kings. You definitely haven't seen this. Nah, nineteen seventy six. Richard Pryor, James Earl Jones. It's about the Negro League barnstorming. Funny. No, very good I would movie. watch that though. That's another one for the culture. Um, rookie of the year. Yes. 
Now, this is probably the most for the culture movie, Mr. 3000. Shout out to Bernie Mac. Yeah, I saw it. Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. But, like, I don't know. That was kind of cheesy and not the best baseball movie. I've probably seen it, like, 20 times. It's not a good movie, but I love Bernie Mac. For some reason, I've just always found Bernie Mac to be the yeah. funniest person. He's got the greatest personality, and he just he can say anything, and it's funny. I've seen every movie except for his last one because I don't want to let him go. I feel so you. Yeah, he, he crushed uh, Kings of Comedy, and I used to – Work at MTV too, and we would run um, the Bernie Mac show like every weekend, and I would just watch that all the time. Yeah. Um, Angels in the Outfield. Yes. Shout to Tony Danza. Uh, 61. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying like 61. Um, I don't know how we got 61 compared with Bull Durham on Twitter, but a lot of people were saying like 61 was way better than Bull Durham, and I, I agree. Uh, yeah. I think that's a terrible opinion by you and a lot of people. 61's a great movie, Bull Durham's a better movie. Well, 61 is based off of a true story, real events, and we're Yankee fans, but... I mean, Bull Durham's loosely based off stuff. The writer and director played in the minor leagues, so... Yeah, but I'm done I'm done bashing Bull Durham. I, I like I give it. it a, I give it a thumbs up. You said it was what on Rotten Tomatoes? Like it was like 97? Yeah. So yeah. I can't... I mean, I can't be in that 6%, 3%. Um, Cobb. Cobb. I haven't seen Cobb. Tommy Lee Jones plays Ty Cobb, an old racist who murdered two people. A lot of people forget that. And they show that in the movie, like him being a racist and him. him oh, him like, being a racist. Yeah, like he was a notorious racist. He used to sharpen yeah. his spikes so that if you if he was sliding in, he slid spikes high with them sharpened and would just get it right in your leg. Real piece of shit. That's Got away assault. with two murders. <laughs> yeah, so he, that, his assaults were minor. He was killing folks. Yeah, he got away with two murders uh, for the love of the game. I don't think I saw that. That's uh, no Kevin Costner just loves baseball movies. Yeah, he um, is just a baseball guy. He and he just has a look of like a ball player. I'm a big. Uh, I buy into the conspiracy theory that Kevin Costner uh, was in Baltimore uh, around the time of Waterworld and had sex with Kevin uh, with Cal Ripken's wife, and Cal Ripken uh, caught them, and then that's why in the middle of Cal Ripken's streak there was a game where. All of Baltimore had power, but the stadium itself didn't. And there, so there's a conspiracy theory out there that he caught Kevin Costner and then he just wasn't going to play and was going to break the streak. So the Orioles faked a power outage. Um, but all sides have said it didn't happen, but I like to think Calvert Ripken's streak is phony. There's um, got to be some truth to that. There's got to be some truth to that theory. Yeah. It didn't just come out of nowhere. It could have been a cuck situation. You know, Cal needed a bull, and there you go. He got he – got, you know. Back then, there was no location services. There was no Instagram lives or anything to tie you to where you were and what happened. So we can't prove it wrong and we can't prove it right. So maybe. Have, have you seen Trouble with the Curve? No, Cl I haven't seen that. Clint Eastwood, Justin Timberlake. Eh, it's an all right movie. I like everything Justin Timberlake does, especially Jessica Biel. I like when he does her. Um, Fever Pitch. Uh, no, I haven't seen uh, Fever Pitch, but it's funny you just dropped that Jessica Biel. I have seen Summer Catch. That, that's a great one. Um, All right. Well, that, that's what I was going to wrap up with. So, yeah, you've seen Summer Catch. How about Little Big League? Oh, uh, yes. Starring Ken Griffey Jr. robbing a home run. Yeah. And Hardball, did we say Hardball? No, I was going to get to it. Hardball. I mean, that's for our generation. Um, it's, you know, if the you're – The cucumbers. Yeah, it's tough, you know, if you're younger than us – you know, if you're like in your early 20s, like you don't know what it's like to tear up when G-Baby dies. Spoiler. Yeah, that, that hits, man. R.E.G. Baby. Keanu's finest acting role. 
Um, yeah, the, Keanu Reeves was like dodging bookies back then. Like, bro, just <laughs> now he would have just been on uh, DraftKings. It was just, it, it really is just Mighty Ducks with baseball. Yeah, it just it definitely, mighty, definitely took something from Mighty Ducks. Like, it's just, it's, it's literally the same movie. The Mighty Ducks is hockey, so it's in Minnesota. So aside from like two kids, like they're all white because it's Minnesota. This yeah. is baseball in the inner city. It's the same thing, you know, forced into this role. Um, how about The Babes starring John Goodman? No, I, I think I, I don't know. I think I watched some of that. I need to finish that. I think that was on like HBO Go for a little while. It, yeah, I, I think it was. It's a, it's a pretty good movie. It. I love John Goodman, but him playing Babe Ruth, like it was, it was unique because it came out in 1992. So you hear about Babe Ruth and shout out to the Babe Ruth episode, episode three you're listening to. Um, and it was just kind of an interesting, like you, all you hear as a kid is, you know, Babe Ruth's the best baseball player ever, but then you got to see the like beer and hot dogs and womanizing and all that stuff to mm-hmm. fully understand what a true hero he was. Legend. Um, and then last, uh, The Scout, starring Brendan Fraser as Steve Nebraska, who is really Shohei Otani. He can hit, yeah, he can pitch. I, I haven't seen that. Um, I remember watching it, at, like the kind of the big thing there is he. You know, he's coming to the Yankees, and then he has, like, an anxiety attack, and so he can't, like, make his debut debut when he's supposed to or on time or whatever. And I remember just thinking, like, what do you mean? You get to play for the Yankees. How would you not do that? Now as an adult, I'm like, I kind of get anxiety attacks. Like, I understand what's going on there. <laughs> isn't, uh, isn't there a movie? I don't think it's The Scout, but there's a movie where they take a cricket pitcher and try and bring him to the major leagues. It came out. Million, do- came out. million Dollar Arm. Yeah, uh, That's another one. Yeah, starring John Never saw Hamm. It. That's based on a true that's a true story. The Pirates signed a guy like they held tryouts. Oh, I in remember India. that years ago. They made it it was a TV show and then like it was filmed to be a TV show in real life. The Pirates signed the guy. I think they signed two. One guy stuck around for a bit. They didn't make it to the majors, but the idea that we could find that similar, you know, throwing motion, there's kind of untapped talent and more of a market to reach. Wasn't there recently a show where uh they had like the first woman pitcher in major leagues, or maybe I maybe I made yeah. that up. Yeah, there I think was. I saw a trailer for it was on yeah Fox. on Fox. With I Mar- didn't catch any of that. With uh, I forget what it was called, but Mark Paul Gossler was the catcher. They were the Padres. My wife, uh, my wife loved it, and I was kind. Of, I was being a dick and was pointing out all the reasons why. Like, no, that's like, just yeah, like that no. doesn't work. Like she she gets crushed with that seventy two mile an hour <laughs> bullshit. Um, it got canceled. And so I guess they had Mark Paul Gossler like under contracts, and now he's on a vampire show for Fox. So, um, but yeah, it only made it one season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple. Of, I'm sure we definitely missed uh, some movies. I just kind of threw together that quick list. But I'm glad your opinion on Bull Durham's turned around. If you haven't seen it, I would say go watch it. Uh, it's a, it's a good flick. If you got some downtime, maybe you're smoking a bowl, whatever whatever you got to do to. Uh, to get where you need to be. The tough thing about going back and watching movies now is there's just so much content out there. It's like, how can I rewatch something when I've got a billion things I haven't seen yet that I need right. to, you know, right. I'm watching Way more interesting stuff is out there. Like I, that's, that was a problem with me. I was like falling asleep on it or I was like, like, I'm not about to watch this. There's so many other things on Netflix besides bull Durham, but it was like a homework exi- assignment for me. So I got it done. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you were open to it. So, I mean, that's really – that's what we got for this week. You know, the Yankees, things aren't that bad. They're, we're going to be all right. If right. you're in Baltimore this Saturday, come to Pickles. I'll be there 4 o'clock on, drinking beers. Come out. 
on April 13th. Uh, you got to buy a ticket today if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, if you want to like be in like our package, uh, if you already have tickets, just come to the dugout. We're going to be at the dugout before the game. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you see stadium eats, retweet that shit. Share that shit. Give me some feedback. Tell me what you think. Um, there's a short version on Twitter. There's longer on Facebook and YouTube because of uh, the rules on Twitter and whatever. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at JJ from the Bronx. Uh, you can follow Keith at Keith underscore McPherson. That's M-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N. Uh, I'm so proud of myself that I've stopped throwing an A in the middle there as I spell out your name. Yeah, you uh, got it down now. Keith, what do you got for the people? Uh, let me see. A couple of things to wrap up. Um, one, now we're out on our own. Uh, we got our own feed. Definitely rate, subscribe, like, share. Do everything that you can to support, and we'll do everything that we can to deliver every week. Um, also, I'm bummed about not making this uh, April 6th game in Baltimore, which uh, I would definitely go. So maybe next time we play in Bar- Baltimore, I have to go. Um, I'm bummed about not going to the first Bronx pinstripes outing, but you guys have seen me uh, host the Instagram story. I usually hit like three or four of them, and it's it's lit, man. The thing about Bronx pinstripes, it's cool to have like a Yankees Twitter account with thousands of followers, but it's cool to have like – 50,000 followers under Bronx pinstripes um, and be able to get them to, to connect together in real life, like to put faces to names and, you know, Twitter handles to real people and link up at the stadium and literally like put fans together. Like that is something that no one else is doing. And uh, shout out to Scott and Andrew for giving us this platform and always, you know, doing their best to connect people and sell tickets and make sure you guys get your tickets. It's a cutoff today. I will not be at um, this first one. I'm headed to Coachella, but after Coachella, I will probably be at everyone after that, and then I'll probably be at the the games every other week, if not, you know, um, once a week, and I'll see a, a lot of people over the course of this season. So, speaking of Scott and Andrew, we did get one question on Twitter. I asked if anyone wanted to know. Someone wanted to know who would win in a tag team match: us versus Scott and Andrew. Um. I got us, man. I, I got us. I have a, I have <laughs> a whole, what, what else am I supposed to say? <laughs> I have a whole. I have a whole theory here. If you, because you work out a lot, if you can take Scott, yeah. Um, and you got to remember, Scott's thirty-eight. He's seen some shit. He's got dad strength. But if you can <laughs> handle that, and like, I saw when we were in Tampa, we got drunk, and I said to Scott, you know, it was really the first time I like really hung out with him. I had met him a few times. I was like, you got some shit in there, Scott. I could see it in your eyes. Like you've got, <laughs> you've got a fire. Um, so if you can handle that, I think I got Andrew because I just like Andrew doesn't seem like he wants to fight. I feel like if I just get, I could lay on him and tap him out. Like I got I got weight on him. He's got reach, but I feel like when it comes to physical altercation, there's a lot of quit in Andrew. We'd have to get like our, our cartoons to do a celebrity death match. We would never fight him in real life. We could never figure out who would win that. But I would I would laugh at uh, the cartoons from our J- uh, George's box cover versus some cartoons for Andrew and Scott going at it. Uh, uh, WWE for, style for a price I'd fight them but um you got <laughs> anything else for the people or is that all no man um don't be all doom and gloom Yankees fans we've got a long season ahead and we're gonna be just fine we have depth for a reason we have guys ready for a reason but we got to go out there and compete and do what we're supposed to do that's why you play the game so um buckle your seatbelts we're in it now um think positive we'll be just fine look us up George's box. Subscribe, download all the episodes, rate us five stars, leave a comment, do that all today.
do that today. Help us out. This has been the George Herman Roof of Episodes, Episode 3. We'll see you at the parade. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.